Welcome to the Front Office Exchange, where we take a look at the careers of executives and rising stars within the sports business. Now, here's your host, Jake Failing. This is episode 16 of the Front Office Exchange podcast, and today we'll hear from Brant Ust, Assistant Athletics Director and Executive Director of the Monogram Club at Notre Dame. Continuing with the theme of bringing you my former USA Baseball colleagues that have gone on to success in collegiate sports business, and you could check the last episode, number 15, with David Shoemaker of Razorback Sports Properties. Brant brings the unique perspective of being a former standout baseball player at Notre Dame who has now returned to his alma mater in a leadership role in the athletics department. Brant talks about his subsequent time in professional baseball uh, after leaving Notre Dame and ultimately his decision to leave the minor leagues and the sport that he loved. It's a transition that all professional athletes are faced with, and Brant walks through how he leveraged his experiences while playing for USA Baseball twice to land one of his first roles off the field after he retired. His time uh, with the National Governing Body of Baseball helped him land his current role with Notre Dame, and it keeps him on his path to someday serve in an athletics director capacity. So without further ado, Brant Ust of Notre Dame. Okay, Brant Ust, welcome to Front Office Exchange. Thanks for joining us. Jake, it is great to be here and, and, uh, and a privilege and honor to uh, oh, wow. be able to chat with you. Uh, well, thank you. Thank you for coming on. You were making dreams happen earlier on a, uh, on a business call. So again, thank you for uh, fitting me into your day there. How are things going at Notre Dame? I mean, you and I obviously spent some time together in the bowels of Durham Bulls Athletic Park at USA Baseball, but you've now been there, was it now, two and a half years? Yeah, two and a half, uh, three uh, next April. It, it's great, and I can't believe it. it's been that long. Um, as you refer to the, the wonderful times on Blackwell Street there with USA Baseball, and uh, I, I oftentimes um, um, reminisce and and. and, and am reminded of, of those experiences because they have uh, uh, definitely helped me um, in this new new role and position at Notre Dame. So that position, Assistant Athletics Director and Monogram Club Executive Director, are there other, is there another 10 words or so to tack on to that or did I cover it all? No, very wordy. And as you well know, I'm all about titles. Sure, um, sure. Several business yeah. cards or one that's got like a paragraph there in it or what's the... So uh, it's our, our student, I'm in, I'm in, uh, charge of our student athlete alumni outreach, uh, right. and it, it's fitting as, as being a student athlete alumni of, of Notre Dame myself. And here at Notre Dame, that's a synonym for being the uh, executive director of the Monogram Club. And uh, along with my staff here, we are, are charged with kind of that uh, creating that that imprint. What does that look like? Um, that conduit for our student athlete alumni, our Monogram winners, as we call them here, or, or letter winners traditionally. Um, what does that uh, engagement point look like, opportunity both here on campus, away? Uh, wh- where can we partner with university resources and, and existing programs to uh, um, provide that, that lifelong connection uh, to our student-athlete alumni? So the first episode was with Michael Beal, who's Associate Athletic Director, and that's how I think many of our listeners know how the um, these are broken out within the various universities. Maybe it isn't the same at every university, but uh, at Notre Dame, are there multiple assistant athletics directors? And then you specifically, your role with under that umbrella is to head up the monogram club? Correct. Um, you know, there's a, there's a, a tiered or a hierarchy, so to speak, uh, structure here. Obviously the 
our director of athletics, who's a university vice president as well, Jack Swarbrick, um, um, sets the course uh, for us here uh, with two uh, deputy AD, senior deputy Missy Comboy and deputy AD uh, Jim Frawley, um, whose purview kind of extends to the, to the many other departments. And so uh, along with a staff of uh, six of us here total, um, we are kind of that midway point between our athletic director's vision and, and strategy for what our student athlete alumni outreach should look like and where they can be uh, vital and, and crucial and helpful in, in delivering on this, uh, this vision. And then our membership uh, represented by our board of directors. We have a 24 person board of directors with a president uh, and everything. And we meet three times a year to really um, kind of chart the course as to what this club uh, can and, and will do. And, um, uh, I'm, I'm kind of the, the middleman in that regard as to making sure that we're all on the same page and align with, with current university and athletics department uh, goals and initiatives. All right, so give me a little bit more background on the Monogram Club. So obviously everybody knows the prestige of Notre Dame. We've seen the movie. Um, we know everything involved there, and obviously the alumni play a, a huge role just like they do in other universities, uh, but you know you've got the monogram club there specifically. So, what does that look like now? What what does that group look like? How has it transformed over the years? And you mentioned the team. So, uh, what does your team look like, and how have you helped shape that since you've been there? Well, the monogram club. Ironically, this year we are uh, celebrating 100 years of existence. Uh, Newt cool. Rockney, I believe, a football coach of. Uh, of, of historic lore there, uh, along with Jess Harper, uh, founded the club 100 years ago. And it was, you know, initially started as a, a good old boy uh, football gathering, really. Uh, guys would get in their blazers and maybe uh, cigars and whiskey and talk talk football and X's and O's, et cetera. Well, we've, we've come a long way uh, and, and we really have become um, uh, involved in a lot of athletics department uh, initiatives to, to help the current student-athlete experience, uh, career initiatives, uh, scholarship initiatives with the university through our Brennan Bullen really scholarship fund, um, and then uh, through our catastrophic uh, Mike Heaton relief fund, um, delivering on that promise of being that teammate uh, beyond your time here at Notre Dame, and uh, in addition, a lot of fellowship and, and gathering opportunities, um, mainly here during the football home home season, uh, there are just over 8,000 living, we call them monogram winners or letter winners, and you can earn your, your monogram via obviously being a student athlete, but also a student uh, trainer, manager, uh, cheerleader, uh, video technician, and, and through the honorary route as well, too. So um, we are 100% driven and funded by our dues and by a membership where the uh, caveat is, is the affinity and being connected to the university, but also uh, through football ticket uh, lottery application privileges as well, too. And that really drives and, and funds us and is really why it's important that we, we are represented by a board of directors who represent our membership at large and that um, what we create, uh, implement, or, or partner with in programs and offerings to our members aligns with what, uh, what their needs are. Now, and I, I don't want you to be modest here, Brant. Now, you obviously are one of those 8,000. Uh, you were stud baseball player there. You had a pro career as well. So, you know, what was your relationship like with the Monogram Club leading up to this? And could you have imagined or were you potentially saying, hey, this is a goal for me down the line to be in a role like this, even specifically with the Monogram Club? 
No, that's that's a great question because, you know, I think the more and more I've been in this role, I've really um, uh, kind of realized what that connection or affinity was that uh, made me pay my dues when I was in, you know, insert name of minor league town USA, and, I'd, and my parents would forward out my my annual uh, review or the, the dues membership uh, flyer from from the Monogram Club, and I would. Uh, scrape the nickels together and make sure that I, I was a consistent member from from graduation on. It was a you know a uniqueness I think in my my journey to graduation here as being a student athlete. Um, I think that this well, I know that this place uh, really was crucial to to molding and and, and defining me and and hopefully uh, uh, creating a finished product that that uh, has gone about and done done more good than than uh, anything. And I think that connection was always special. And then coming back into this role and, and really realizing where and how the Monogram Club has been so present in, in current Notre Dame athletics, historically, uh, within the fabric of the university, and how it has affected the lives of our, of our many Monogram winners um, who have gone on to, to accomplish great things, has only validated that, that connection. And I think it's really charged um, my staff and I to really think forward. I, I talked about our 100-year anniversary, but... Our, our big focus now is, as 2016 winds down, it's been, okay, what are the next 100 years? How is this unique resource going to be um, even even a greater access point for the current student-athletes, for our former student-athletes, and, and building upon that strong connect, connection and, and uh, affinity they had for their for their unique experiences while they were here at Notre Dame. What percentage of your day-to-day is the Monogram Club? You know, I know, again, as the assistant associate athletics directors break out, sometimes they'll be assigned to various sports. Do you have any sports there at Notre Dame? I do. I, uh, I am assigned as the uh, sport administrator for the men's golf program here. Uh, so I'd say 80% of my everyday uh, or my responsibilities are with the Monogram Club when you're obviously dealing with a group that's 8,000 plus and, and so crucial to, to the lifeline of Notre Dame uh, or to Notre Dame athletics, um, that, that consumes a lot of your time. But I, I enjoy the sport administrator role. Uh, one of the unique models that our athletics director here has is a one-to-one ratio with sport administrator to sport. You'll find at a lot of universities, uh, they'll have an, uh, an associate AD, assistant AD um, assigned or, or, or responsible for you know, five to six sports. And just by human nature, that can be a, a tough challenge. Sure. And, and one of those sports might, um, depending on the year, the season, or the time, or the issue, is going to get the short end of, of that uh, bandwidth. Um, and what Jack Swarbrick has really done here is really want and put uh, a lot of trust and faith in, in his administrators to be that sole voice advocate, um, whatever you want to term it, for the respective program. And I think it's really worked because you get to know the program the coaching staff, the the unique landscape of that respective sport, um, to a to a, a better uh, degree or sense than you would if you had you know three or four additional sports under your purview as well. Do you ever find yourself kind of like walking behind the the chair of the person in charge of baseball, saying, "So, uh, how's everything? Uh, everything good? 
Are we looking? No, no. I, <laughs> I, I have a great relationship here with, with Coach Aoki. It actually extends back to uh, yeah. my time at USA Baseball. We, uh, I, know the, I know the folks in the room there at USA Baseball were probably like, okay, what's, what's, what's Brant got up his sleeve here? But we, <laughs> we were able to settle and land on the USA Baseball Irish Classic hosted at their, their beautiful USA Baseball National Training Complex facilities there in Cary. Um, so that, that relationship extended before I got here. And, you know, to, to uh, Coach Aoki and his staff's credit, they, they lean on me and my experiences uh, a lot of the times and being able to talk to the current team, um, those guys that have professional ambitions or aspirations and talking about the importance of, of, of getting your degree and finishing your degree and then being able to do both, um, which, which hopefully I'm an example of. And um, it's been a great relationship. I, I see baseball as, as a great outlet to be back here and see the program, see how it's grown, see how the facilities have, uh, have changed. I also think, uh, and you'll know this because I don't think you ever saw me play golf uh, ever. I, I'm not an avid golfer. Uh, I think if you were an avid golfer and you had men's golf as your, your, your sport or responsibility, that could be a, a dangerous combination. Sure. Uh, I think it's helped me be a better administrator uh, and introduce and bring some of my uh, baseball administrative uh, experiences um, into this into this role and, and realm, and um, and get to know the guys in that regard as well. Well, let's go back uh, to your playing days. So, uh, Big East. Let me know if I'm leaving anything out. Uh, Big East Rookie of the Year, uh, Big East Player of the Year, uh, multiple time uh, first team selection there in the conference, All America recognition, and then you went and had a nine year pro career. You mentioned. Uh, the various cities that uh, you played in, in the minor leagues. Um, so let's go toward the end of that process. So, you know, you're a professional athlete and just like every athlete, you're thinking, okay, maybe my time is wrapping up. What does that next step look like? So take me back um, uh, to that period where you were saying, hey, both personally and professionally, what does that next step look like? What is my career going to look like? Yeah, I um, well, thank you for for those accolades. I, I appreciate it. I get, um, I voted I know, for you in all to, of them. Yeah, you sure. like yeah, yeah, bite your lips up to get through them all. Uh, <laughs> but I get it. Uh, you know, I knew fortunately with, with with how I was raised, my parents, and, and and then you know choosing to attend a university like Notre Dame, I knew that you know baseball wasn't going to define me, uh, and and began to understand that it was going to provide a lot of opportunities that um, if I was smart and aware enough to use those to further my career or, or life after baseball. And I, and I think I did that. I, I, had a, I had a very fortunate run to, to play professionally for nine years. Didn't, didn't get to the major leagues. And, and, and that was tough because that's ultimately what every kid, you know, sets out to do. Um, but rather than leave the game kind of with, with that um, chip on your shoulder or, or, uh, unsatisfied feeling. I, I said, look, let's look back at what I've been able to accomplish. The, the, I think the way in which I went through my career, uh, the relationships I built, the honesty that I approached my career with, um, and hopefully the respect that, that followed, and what will I transition into next? And um, I had finished up. I, I was drafted after my junior year here at Notre Dame and, and had it written into my contract that the Detroit Tigers would allow me to um, come back those first two fall off seasons to finish my degree. I knew that that was very important. Uh, and plus my mom wasn't going to let me back in the house without a, without a college degree. And I'd, I'd worked my butt off to, uh, at a school like Notre Dame and I didn't want to 
walk away from something unfinished. So having the confidence of that degree in my back pocket really um, let me approach my, my um, baseball, professional baseball career and, and empty the tank, so to speak. And so when that time came to make that transition, I had the confidence to do that. Um, I leaned on the Notre Dame network here uh, for, for ideas. I ultimately uh, pestered a lot of folks, uh, Paul Seiler at USA Baseball, one of them. And then I, I tried the coaching realm. I wanted to make sure that, um, you know, either the coaching or administrative route, which one was best for me. I knew in, in some form or fashion being involved in sports and athletics was where I wanted to do. And I felt that those nine years as a professional were some sort of enhanced or accelerated uh, graduate school in, in that regard. And I wanted to make sure that I had gone about my business in a way that uh, it would help me in, in making that transition. Now, I know you got a little bit of this at USA Baseball, essentially serving as the GM of the 18U national team. But I know also that a lot of former uh, pro players, college players, um, look at going into scouting or more of that on-field operations. Did you think about that route or did you see USA as one where you could say, hey, I got the business and the on-field? Yeah, you know, I, I initially kind of kept kept the senses open to everything. Um, the Seattle Mariners, right after they fired me, they wanted to hire me as a, as a coach in their minor league level. Um, and then I obviously coached a year at Michigan. So I, I entertained kind of all of those ideas um, and opportunities. But I, I really, uh, in my position as a, as a coach at Michigan, I um, got to know the, the many workings that go into putting together a successful program at, at, at a place like Michigan, too, which I, you know, working for Notre Dame now, I, I have to, to downplay that. But um, I couldn't think of a better opportunity uh, fresh out of playing than to work for, for a university like Michigan in their athletics department. And that really exposed me to the administrative uh, career path and the opportunities that exist in uh, intercollegiate athletic administration. And so um, I, I didn't feel the need to have to stay in uniform or be on the field. It was a great reward at the end of the day when I was coaching to be able to work with these guys and um, realize that I had a lot of just knowledge and experience that they were thirsty and hungry for and that it was easy for me to share. Um, but I didn't have that, that burning desire to have to stay in, in uniform. And I, I really wanted to kind of be in a position that not only um, leaned on my experience and, and familiarity with sports and, and, and successful uh, organizations within sports, but also I was able to add a little more creative element uh, to the job. And I think I can do that in, in this administrative role. And, you know, I remember seeing you, uh, you were selling, I can't remember who it was for, but at the winter meetings, um, and that's when there was the buzz, hey, you know, uh, you, you should walk over there, you should meet Brant, this might be happening. You know, what was that conversation like uh, with Paul? Did you pitch yourself to him as saying, hey, I'm ready to make that next step in my career? Um, how did that transpire? Yeah, if you, if you ask Paul, he, he probably said it was one of the biggest pain, pains in his butt there for a while. But, hey, it uh, worked. <laughs> Yeah, my my USA baseball experience was so special to me. I, I had the good fortune of playing on the collegiate national team after my sophomore year here uh, at Notre Dame, and and Paul Seiler was the GM for the collegiate national team at that point. So I got to know Paul in that realm, uh, and we had wonderful experiences. We were based in in the uh, the sweat box of Tucson, Arizona, all summer, but we got to go to Nicaragua, uh, Italy for the World Championships, and so that that experience and seeing you know, everything that Paul had to do and, and, and his team to, to put that experience together for us. Um, I, I, I credit myself that I wasn't as 
you know, uh, self-centered and, and individual at the age of 19 to realize that what they had done for us. And so that stayed with me and, and um, working for USA Baseball, working for a national governing body and, and obviously with the sport had always appealed to me. So I really um, set out to see what or how uh, there might be an opportunity with USA Baseball and, um, and and luckily things aligned and then they were looking, the organization was looking to, to grow and bring on kind of an alumni relations uh, director to, for the first time to have meaningful outreach to the to the uh, many alumni that, that were in a, a national team jersey, and then transitioned into uh, running, which which I think is probably the highest profile team of amateur baseball players in the world, which is uh, the 18 and under national team. It was uh, I couldn't have asked for a better um, post playing transition and, and getting on a career path that that I still am very fortunate has been uh, paying dividends in, in my current role as well. Yeah, I mean, I was just thinking about that today actually um, with the Cubs having won the World Series this week. I remember sitting in a room and when their year you had Al Mora and Russell in addition to some others. Yeah, that that 2011. Uh, 18 and under national team. We went to, to Columbia, won a gold medal uh, at the Junior Pan Ams. We're skippered by Scott Brocious. I mean, that was that was awesome. And then, uh, so Albert Almora scores to go ahead and run in the World Series. Addison Russell's obviously a, a bona fide, you know, all-star shortstop and then the future of the game at the age of, of 22. Uh, I think at last check, out of that 20-man roster, we've had 10 guys uh, play in the big leagues thus far. And we're talking about a group that you know, graduated high school in 2012. So they're just at that 21, 22 year old, uh, range. So uh, a very special group, but that's, that's team USA. That's how, uh, how all of our national teams. Um, and then you even look at Chris Bryant and, and Schwarber who were right. both on the collegiate national teams and the, and the roles that they played as well. And then that Lind, that, that shortstop for Cleveland was on the 2010 oh team. Oh my and gosh. Yeah. And, um, and so you, you played that, with Zobrist, great for right? me to watch from afar is where, where Team USA, and they're all great kids. They, they don't make it through that trials process and get onto that final roster. And then we ask them to travel to, to Asia or to Central or South America and, and go compete against Cuba in a, in a packed house unless they have the, the grit and the makeup, which we're seeing it reveal itself here at the big league level. And, and even talking further about that World Series team, uh, Zobrist was on your World Cup team, wasn't that right? Yes. Yeah, Ben and I were teammates in 2005, uh, kind of the uh, – ragtag group that Davey Johnson uh, <laughs> right. drew together and, and, and uh, went out to the Netherlands to play. Um, and, and so, yeah, so U- USA Baseball, if you really boil it down, and, and Paul Sadler reminds me every year, uh, has been an <laughs> integral part of my uh, right. not only playing and, and, and uh, life, but professional life as well. Right. So, uh, you know, as great as that experience was, um, uh, you know, in 2014 or, or late 13, in that window, you get the call from your alma mater. Um, what did that, I guess, recruitment process look like? Obviously, I know that was a tough decision uh, for you, um, you know, getting in to know uh, your wife, Jessica, and you were starting to have children. Um, you were really getting settled there in the triangle. No, it was. It, in one aspect, uh, or one hand, it was it was a very tough decision, but in the other, from a from a career standpoint, it was a very easy decision uh, to make. Right. We had um, established roots in in North Carolina, and, and as, as you were part of that uh, special group of folks, not only just at work, but in the community and friends, their lifelong friends. Um, and to think that it, you know, a guy that grew up uh, just outside Seattle, and my wife, who's who's a Michigander, we were calling Raleigh, North Carolina, home. It was it was a tough call in that regard. 
uh, I had aspirations and still do have, have ambitions of becoming an athletics director one day. And I knew that this, this opportunity, um, I could not pass up and it would be something I think, uh, fundamental in, in taking that next step to, towards one day, uh, accomplishing the, those goals. Now, I'm just curious, obviously you've got a network within that professional baseball community as well. And every day there are many players such as the decision process that you went through that are saying, you know what, I'm going to hang it up and I'm going to get into the next phase in my career. Do you talk to any of them? Do any of them come to you and say, wow, you know what, you've really, it's worked out for you, you've done it right? Do you provide uh, advice ever or counseling, even helping somebody with their resume? You know, I don't want to get too dramatic, but just curious if that has ever happened with you. Uh, well, I, I appreciate that. I think I, think I was fortunate to have had a lot of people around me that were willing to help. And I, if anything, out of all that, I think it's understanding too, that I, I didn't, I didn't just show up, uh, in this position or in, in this opportunity. Um, there were people that vouched for me. There were people that instilled confidence in me when I left, uh, professional baseball at 29 and, you know, I had a resume. I just didn't know I had one and that were able to, to coach me up and say, you know, Hey, your last two, uh, minor league free agent deals, you, you essentially represented yourself and, and came to terms with the team. You, you, you tricked Mariners into, into inviting you into big league camp as a non-roster invitee, like th- that stuff that you can, um, put down on paper as, as, and it's, th- those are transferable skills, et cetera. Like, and, and it was just a matter of somebody really showing that to me. And so if, presented that opportunity with with a teammate or um, uh, somebody here that that is playing or, or a monogram winner from Notre Dame standpoint we, we've talked a lot with former uh, professional athletes uh, that, that graduated from Notre Dame as they make that transition and it's also a kind of an initiative on our end to really have a program in place to help that um, so that that sense of I guess uh, paying it forward so to speak I, I'm, I'm always open to that because I think um, you know, student athletes, former student athletes, whether at the collegiate level or if they have the opportunity to play at the professional or, or be Olympic student athletes or former student athletes, um, they're they such a valuable commodity and 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 they're they're so able to help an organization, and it's great to to help or be a part of uh, of connecting them or getting them kind of uh, reinvigorated with uh, with with the confidence to make that next step. Now let's go back to your current role. Uh, South Bend, like Chapel Hill, where I went, college town. Now, uh, Raleigh and Durham and those cities are very close to Chapel Hill. South Bend is close to Chicago and Indianapolis and those cities. Um, but it is very much a, um, it's Notre Dame. I mean, I think before we started recording, you say, I live in Notre Dame. Um, what's it like recruiting there? I mean, I know Notre Dame to some extent sells itself, um, but do you find that past alumni or recent graduates are dying to stay in town? Is it easy to relocate someone such as yourself? Obviously, you had unique ties, but you know, what if you find you know a rising star, someone who in the college sports administration pipeline, with no ties to Indiana, no ties to Notre Dame? Is it easy to bring that person in? I think so. I think. Um... I think what Notre Dame has and, and will will always continue to have is, is really the, the sense of community. Um, you, you think of Notre Dame from an outsider's perspective or objectively, and you think of this massive place. Um, the enrollment is still 8,000 8, undergrad. It always has been. Uh, there are new buildings popping up left and right, yet the, the enrollment stays the same. Um, so what I've found here at Notre Dame, and I, and I experienced this, as a student when I was here, but I, I think I appreciate it now is the 
really the palpable sense of um, uh, community. And it starts with that. There's obviously tremendous opportunity here professionally. Um, you're, you're doing things at, at the highest level on, on the biggest stage. Um, but Notre Dame is also very grounded in its in its cores and its values. And um, whether it's in athletics or the College of Engineering or the Alumni Association, uh, it's going to be grounded and based in, in the values of, of the university. And that's the priority. And that's that's refreshing. Um, it, it it might position things to be a little different than how they are being done elsewhere. But I think um, there there is there is a sense of, of confidence in knowing that uh, things are being done the right way and, and uh, for the right reason as well. What do you like to see personally uh, among your team members, those that you hire? Are you looking for someone who has worked in operations on events or someone who's more focused on alumni relations, let's say? Well, we, we have, um, so I said, uh, including myself, six staff members. We have a communications associate, uh, associate director, um, kind of a coordinator, and uh, no, not not kind of a coordinator. <laughs> a coordinator. Uh, we have a full time intern, and then kind of a hybrid position. Reggie Brooks, who runs a lot of our uh, football relations uh, with alumni. Reggie's a, a former All American here, uh, and, and uh, you know one of one of the Notre Dame great uh, running backs, and as well as other. Uh, opportunities and, and, and tasks assigned by the athletics director. So uh, it takes a lot of versatility for what we do from fe- uh, fellowship and hosting of our events here on campus and welping, welcoming back our members to, to implementing, um, you know, the, 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 the group, the, the membership, w- those tasks we've partnered with, um, uh, other campus entities, uh, the business school, and and offering uh, discounted o- access for our members uh, to take executive education courses. So that takes a lot of coordination and logistics behind the uh, scenes. We have a very kind of complex membership process. Um, but at the end of the day, it takes those folks that are willing to be that you know play that role and help that the team or the events success. And so um, one of the I think nuances and I think uh, uh, positive things about working for the Monogram Club within Notre Dame Athletics is you are exposed to all aspects of the department and, and university and get to interact with from, from teams and coaches and student athletes to um, you know, campus partners uh, across campus. What does your travel look like? What does your, your sales kind of recruitment efforts look like? I know, I know you're not going to Japan and Cuba for five weeks at a time like you used to, um, but are you flying all over the country uh, doing presentations, speaking to the local uh, alumni groups there? Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's different and, and sometimes unpredictable. Um, we, we want to go where the membership um, are. And uh, that can take us from, from a place like Notre Dame that's a national university. We can be in Orange County one week and then Atlanta the next and still have a, a critical mass of, of Monogram Club members and uh, synced around a, an away football game, a, a women's basketball game, or, or uh, like last year, uh, an opening season lacrosse game in, in Atlanta. And we had about uh, 60 to 70 Monogram winners there to support the lacrosse team. So um, that, I think, is the biggest difference uh, or continually evolving difference here with, with the Monogram Club is we need to be versatile and, and able to take this experience that, that uh, I think we do a pretty good job of, of providing for home football games here for our members or when they are back on campus, but taking it on the road and, and kind of having um, 
being adaptable to to where that critical mass or event may exist away from campus. So that, that offers or lends itself to, you know, uh, trips, uh, maybe sinking around the, the football team on the road, right. uh, be leaving next week for the uh, Shamrock series, which is kind of our, our home neutral site game uh, this year in San Antonio versus army where we'll have a couple events uh, leading up to the, to the game there. And then we'll kind of play it by ear throughout the year as to where and when we should, uh, um, sync and coordinate to have um, uh, an event for membership. Irish Classic, Shamrock Series. I mean, ha- haven't we exhausted the the Irish plays on words at this point, or no? Are we? <laughs> no, I think I think we're, we've still got some room and capabilities there, as, as yeah. you well know. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's about the theming and message. Oh yes, I know. Hey, so you talked about you know your goal someday is to be an athletics director. Is that? the goal of your peers that you see? I mean, what is that athletic department at Notre Dame? Are you churning out future athletic directors or do you see some go different directions as well, whether it's maybe the agency side or going to consulting or they go into a, with a professional team, you know, what is the, if there is a common uh, track record progression in careers for uh, people such as yourself? Uh, well, you know, I, I think um, I, I can only speak for myself, but I think there's been a, a tremendous uh, history of uh, or current presence of Notre Dame alum, uh, either alum or folks that have passed through uh, Notre Dame athletics in some former capacity that are currently athletic directors uh, nationally. I, I should I should know the count, but I want to say there's sitting right now probably about 10 or so athletic directors at the division one level who, who either were alum or, or passed through here at some point, which is, which is pretty impressive. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I think the the thing about Notre Dame too is, is, uh, this is also, um, for, for many and for most, uh, the, you know, the industry standard to some degree, whatever that facet of athletics administration they might be involved with. Um, and so being here and being here for the long term is, is also an excellent option. Um, but I think this place drives you, it, 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 it it demands and, and asks that you be at your best in, in representing Notre Dame. And I think um, that inevitably you know, attracts attention uh, beyond Notre Dame. Do you ever look around at the other major universities and their alumni programs uh, and say, you know what, these guys are doing it right? You know, I don't know if there is a, a conference where you know people in your line all get together and exchange ideas, but – uh, is there one, a university or two that you like what they're doing in this space? And, and then on the other side, what is it you see within alumni relations that you just cringe at? Like, oh, God, I hate seeing this uh, in the industry. No, absolutely. There, there are many tremendous examples out there uh, of, of just new age, new age ideas or keeping in, in sync with kind of the evolution of, of the you know, I don't, you don't want to, uh, of alumni relations or, or that relationship that's being built. Um, there is, as far as letter winners associations, there's actually the national letter, the NLWA, the national letter winners association. They have a conference once a year. Um, and the, it's attended by about 40 or so schools and, and their respective letter winners associations. And, and the one unique thing about letter winners associations is some are housed within athletics, like we are. Some are housed within uh, development, respective uh, development. Some are housed within the alumni associations of their universities. Hmm. And some are just independent organizations um, that really are not officially attached to the university. So the whole spectrum is there. Um, and from that group, 
you know, obviously when you're talking about the Monogram Club, it's been around for 100 years. The the K Club at, at uh, University of Kansas does a really nice job. Um, and then you have, but but I've, we we send our uh, staff there and, and, and one of our board members every year, and we come away with new ideas or perspectives on things. Because if you're not, you know, continually trying to enhance and, and, and evolve or change uh, for the better, then, you know, you, you become a little stale and, and stagnant. And I think there, there are many things that we do great and have always done really well. But I think with the nuances of, of connecting to, to young alumni, uh, to to our alumni groups that are in different transitional aspects of their careers, whatever that may be, we need to be in tune with what other programs and schools are doing. As far as something that might make me cringe, um, I think it's just uh, uh, stubbornness, hmm. um, realizing that, well, you know, our population is different, so this is only going to, to work for them. Uh, and we know what we're doing. I can't sit here in, in, in my office here on, on the campus of Notre Dame and say that I know what all, you know, 8,000 um, monogram winners really expect or want from this uh, club or affinity. Um, we need to continue to do a, a, a great job of connecting through surveys, through input, through responses as to where can this club be a true resource to you? We understand there's a, a football ticket application lottery benefit, um, but you know what programs or partnerships would enhance or help um, you to continue to be and to recruit your teammates and those that might be maybe have fallen off the radar a little bit to be involved. So if you're not thinking in those aspects and just kind of resting on your, your laurels. And um, that, that's not a recipe for, for sustained success. That's interesting. So what's next for the Monogram Club? What's next for you? What is next? We, um, you know, I think it's continuing to um, be that, that conduit to our members, um, uh, both, both new members or, or those that maybe have not been able to, to be connected to the, to the university or get back to campus for, for obvious reasons. Um, one of our front and center initiatives is really exploring where we can be a career resource for our members. Uh, and you're talking about a, a myriad of folks that are, you know, uh, very senior and, and, and experienced in, in their respective industries and careers to those sure. that uh, are young alum making different transitions or, or job switches or, or mothers and fathers reentering the, the the workforce, professional or Olympic athlete, athletes um, retiring or transitioning out of their playing career. Where can we provide uh, that resource and, 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 and be an assistance in that regard? All right, Brant. So I, every time I try to make this sound less and less creepy, but I, you know, I'm trying to say, where do you hang out online? Social media? Are you on <laughs> Twitter, LinkedIn, or where can people find you? And and for those you know former uh, letter winners that you're trying to reach out to, I mean, how can they find you? Well, uh, you know, we've we've and this is this is credit to Sean Carroll, our communications associate. We have a pretty robust. Uh, um, online presence, social media presence through all of the uh, all of the previously just listed there, um, and that's been that's been new for me is, is is really getting in tune with how we can better communicate w- with our membership. And it wasn't too long ago the Monogram Club used to send you know an in hand hard copy newsletter four times a year, a quarterly, um, in addition to our annual review, which used to be the only real touch point. Uh, to our members, we, we've come a long way in the last, you know, seven to ten years in, in that regard. But I think there's work to be done 
continually and, and especially engaging our, our young alum um, in a more meaningful fashion. But uh, yeah, Twitter, Facebook, I guess, uh, all that good stuff is there. But um, what's your Twitter I, handle? I always, Are you at Brainust? Are you at Brainust or what's uh, at ND Brandust? There you go. And and by the way, I will forever record and and just loop it back. You just gave your communications guy credit. So hopefully you used to do that for me at USA Baseball, but I will. I've, I've come a long way. You know, I think you were the, uh, uh, you know, uh, I, I had that. Uh, you were coming off your pro reason. career. Exactly. I mean, my yeah. my counterparts were asking you to go like sit in duck, dunk tanks at state fairs and stuff right. like that. So Or, or, or tell, 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 tell you what went wrong in a loss in an 0 for 4. Like, well, I think you saw what went wrong. Uh, but I think you really bridged that gap to, to right. the human side of uh all of those uh, and uh, you know that interact with the sport they have a tough job in and of itself on their own and of uh you know there's there's a legend a uh, couple couple hallways down here john heisler um long time uh media relations uh guru here for notre dame and and uh it's for what i do and somebody knows the history of the monogram club and our student athletes there hasn't been a better resource Huge. for me to tap into since i've been here well, I had a lot of fun, obviously, working with you at USA Baseball. One of my favorite stories I've got to tell, uh, you came with me for the Golden Spikes Award up in New York City the year uh, Mike Zanino won, catcher uh, for the Mariners. And Carlos Rodon, who's now obviously starting for the White Sox, was coming off an amazing freshman year. He needed to get a bullpen in because he was about to go pitch down in Havana the next day with our national team. And here's Bran Ust who informs everyone that his last role when he's trying to make a big league roster was as a catcher. We had a helmet with us, catcher's mask, uh, that uh, we were going to get autographed. And you say, you know what, I'll do it. And no pads, no cup either. Went out there in Central Park and caught Rodon's slider. <laughs> no, yeah, it was uh, one of those moments impromptu, but it, it was it was great. And I think Carlos took it easy. I was just, you know, it's a good old fashioned flat ground to get him get some work in before he, like you said, went to uh, rejoin Team USA in, in Cuba. What I think miss is missing from that story is you you holding off the park ranger, yeah. um, who 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 was adamantly reminding us that the park uh, or at least the fields don't don't open until uh, eight a.m. Uh, but you did a great job, yeah. which which was more respect for the media relations position hey, and fending off uh, federal employees like that. Well, I'll uh, I'll post that picture with this, but it, I mean, it was truly we we jumped the fence uh, with all of us, Rodon, Elliot Avent, his coach, his parents, and you guys got it in while, like you said, I held off the Rangers. So that was uh, <laughs> one of my favorite USA baseball memories. But truly, uh, Brant, it's been great. Uh, you know, I know this is a dream role for you. Uh, you're back at your alma mater. Uh, I'm psyched for you and your family, and uh, keep up the good work. Thanks for coming on today. Always a pleasure, Jake, and uh, appreciate the time. Thanks for listening to the Front Office Exchange, where you hear about the careers of some of the leading executives in sports business. Visit us at frontofficeexchange.com, on Facebook, at Front Office Exchange, and on Twitter, at Front Office EXCH, to access past episodes, show notes, and much, much more. 